The Orlando Magic are still a rebuilding team, still going through and learning a lot about themselves and what they have to do to win. But they had one undeniable success, or one thing that they did exceptionally well that put themselves in a great position to win. And that would be their coach. We're going to dive into what Jamal Mosley did well and what Jamal Mosley will need to improve on as we continue our season wrap-up here on Locked On Magic. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Indeed, Locked On Magic. Today is April 24th, 2023. My name is Philip Rossmanich. I'm the expert insight editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Of course, follow me on Twitter at PhilipRR underscore OMD. On today's episode of Locked On Magic, we're going to go over what went right and what, I don't want to say went wrong, but where Jamal Mosley goes next as a head coach. We're going to chat about him, an often discussed person in the Orlando Magic atmosphere, and, and one that does have some fair questions that will need to be asked and answered here in the coming months and, and obviously uh, in the next season. We'll get to all that coming up here in just a moment. But first, we want to thank you again for making Lockdown Magic part of your day every day, no matter when you listen to us, whether it's first thing in the morning, whether it's right when we upload. We truly appreciate you making Lockdown Magic part of your day every day. Remember, there's a great Lockdown podcast covering every single team in the NBA. Just search for Lockdown A and the team you're looking for, the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Today's podcast is brought to you by our friends at PrizePix. First-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON. That's prizepix.com, promo code LOCKEDON. There's a... The head coach always has, I think, one of the most difficult jobs out there. Um, One of the most kind of tricky things uh, for, for any lay person to understand especially um I, i'm around the team and, and I, I could probably tell you there is a lot that the coach does that that even someone like me doesn't think of obviously that i think becomes a little bit more difficult when you're in a rebuild too rebuilds are really tough they're really hard to get right and a coach is really, really important, especially at that early stage when the results aren't there. It's, it's, it's extremely difficult. And it's not a guarantee that you're going to come out of the rebuild on the right side of things. There is no guarantee that a rebuild will work. And there's plenty of examples you could go into magic history to see why they don't work. You can look at like the Houston Rockets. Talent alone is not enough. And so finding a coach that can guide you through these this critical stage is really important. And at times, really difficult to find. Jamal Mosley had a really diff- has a really difficult task still in front of him and has a really difficult task. Trying to get a collection of young men to not only learn the NBA, but to succeed in it while still learning at the same time. Managing the varying expectations. And, 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 you know, I think the Magic as a front office, Jeff Waltman and his crew, 
they understand the process and ownership now, Alex Martin, you know, the DeVos family, they understand the process, but obviously there's always pressure to get better and results matter. And so why do we sit here and say that Jamal Mosley did things right? Well, you look at the results. The Magic improved by 14 wins, you know, going from 20 or by 12 wins, going from 22 to 34 wins. The Magic put themselves in a position where they were in the postseason chase until the final week of the season. The Magic obviously get clarity of purpose and clarity of vision in drafting Paolo Bancaro first overall. There's, there's a lot of conditions in this rebuild that worked that didn't in the immediate aftermath of the Dwight Howard trade. And some of that is draft luck. Some of that is the front office having a better understanding of, of the infrastructure that's necessary. And despite how good of a job Jacques Vaughn has done coaching the Brooklyn Nets, some of it is also the, co- the job that the coach has done at the very beginning. Having the clarity of vision of what your team wants to be. If there is a reason that Jamal Mosley was successful this season, it's because he's accomplished, and, and I, I do mean this, he's accomplished these things, accomplished two really important things right off the bat. The first, he's gotten every single player on this roster to believe not only in what he's preaching, but to believe in each other. There's no there's no snipping. It doesn't sound like there are these extreme clicks, and, and that certainly felt like the case sometimes in the early rebuild, rebuild days after the Magic traded Dwight Howard. Everyone seems to support each other, and everyone seems to have this clarity of focus on what the Magic are ultimately trying to be and what the Magic are ultimately trying to do. And that's really the second element, too. The Magic have a belief in who they want to be and have the tools to execute it. Again, I think Jacques Vaughn learned a lot in his first coaching job with the Orlando Magic. I really do. Uh, I, I, I think, I, I believe, I, I know I said this to myself after being with Jacques Vaughn for the fir- meeting with Jacques Vaughn for the first time at the introductory press conference. I was like, he definitely feels like he's a little bit in over his head. He doesn't feel like he has the full picture and certainly watching some of those early teams. And this is not to single, single out Jacques Vaughn because I think a lot of coaches with this Magic team struggled with that because I think it started with Rob Hennigan not really having a clear vision of what he wanted this team to be. Jamal Mosley and Jeff Waltman, to, to that extent, have a clear vision for what this Magic team is going to be. And again, the results show it. After the Magic started 5-20, and 20, after December 7th, the Magic finished 6th in the league in defensive rating. They wanted to be a defensive team, and for the most part, they were. But again, that doesn't quite capture it entirely. Jamal Mosley is the right coach, and Jamal Mosley succeeded this year because that vision was always the goal. The goal wasn't necessarily to win the game in front of them. The goal was to play to this vision, to go through the process, and net the results. It's cliche in this league. The Sixers kind of copyrighted it and, 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 and marketed it. But process over results is a real thing. You do things the right way over and over and over again long enough, the results take care of themselves. You might have momentary setbacks, but you will win more often than you lose. And that was the, the, the growing message from this team. Because the Magic 
like I said a million times this year, it was not about this season. The Magic making the postseason is a byproduct of everything working. But that isn't the end goal. The end goal is making the playoffs next year, is advancing the year after that, is winning a championship somewhere down the road. And there's a long way to go to get there. But the Magic understood that this season was a building block season. So if the Magic dropped a game because they put the ball in Paolo Bancaro's hands late in a game, if the Magic lost a game because they really want to see what they have in Bull Bull, these are short-term sacrifices to figure out long-term gains. To figure out who this team is and what they're capable of being down the road. In the big picture, in the big scheme of things. That's what was on the line this season. That's what the Magic were trying to accomplish this year. And again, we look at this team, we look at the season and the improvements that they made. Jamal Mosley is a big part of that. You might question some things about him, and we're going to talk a little bit about that in the second segment of the show. But at the end of the day, his focus and the things that he wanted to accomplish for this team and what the team overall wanted to accomplish were big picture items. They were not about this season. They're about making this team look like what they wanted to look like. And at the end of the day, you go through the whole roster, everyone of consequence at least, appeared to get better. Everyone that was in the rotation regularly that figures to be a big part of the team's future played better, improved individually, and showed us how this team needs to look. I often said that, you know, again, I, I said a million times this year, this season is not about the season, but this season showed us clues of what this team needs to take that next step and which players could step up to the plate. And Jamal Mosley deserves a lot of credit on that front for giving this team the space to make some mistakes, for putting the players in positions to grow in the way that the Magic will need them to grow, for accentuating their strengths in a lot of ways, moving Cole Anthony to the bench, playing Jalen Suggs the way he played Jalen Suggs, you know, putting Paolo Bancaro in the situations he put him in, put Franz Wagner in, in more pick and rolls and, and on the ball a little bit more. He did a great job putting those players in those positions because that's what's going to matter down the road. That's what's going to matter in the future and not the distant future, the very near term for this team. Obviously, though, that focus is going to begin to shift. And that's going to be the challenge for Jamal Mosley and this Orlando Magic team next season. We're going to talk a little bit about that coming up here in just a moment. But first, it's time for a quick word from our friends at Prize Picks. The NBA playoffs are well underway. And every day of the NBA playoffs, up until the NBA finals, one Prize Picks user will win a chance at becoming a millionaire. One entry placed after 8 a.m. will be randomly selected each day. Whoever placed that entry will be given a six-pick flex with the following payouts. Six correct picks will get you a million dollars. Five correct picks get you $80,000. Four correct picks get you $16,000. Full details can be found at prizepicks.com million. You must opt in at this link 
to be eligible for the million-dollar entry. Once you opt in, all you have to do is play the game like normal, and you could be the lucky winner. Prize Picks is the great daily fantasy game, so if you haven't started playing it, please do try it now. All you have to do is pick two to six players, and if they go on to score more or less than their prize picks rejections, you can win up to 25 times on your entry. So it's not just about winning that million dollars. There's no competing against other people, so you're not just scrounging for scraps to try and get your money back every day. It's just you versus the projected projections available. And Prize Picks offers projections on any sport that you watch, including NBA, MLB, NHL, PGA, NASCAR, WNBA, soccer, and a whole lot more. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's really that easy. They offer safe and fast withdrawals, and they're currently operational in more than 30 states, including here in Florida, as well as Canada. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports today. In addition to the million-dollar offer, first-time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match of up to $100 with promo code LOCKEDON. If you deposit $100, PrizePix will give you $100. If you deposit $50, PrizePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code LOCKEDON and sign up for an instant deposit match of up to $100. Today's podcast is also brought to you by the Nissan Aria, and we're going to name our most electric player of the week early this week. I know that we just named one on Friday, but we got an electric performance that we have to honor on this Monday because Sunday was the anniversary of one of the great magic games of all time and one of the great magic performances of all time. So our Nissan Electric Player of the Week goes to none other than Sir Nick himself, Nick Anderson. On this day, or on Sunday, uh, back in 1993, Nick Anderson scored 50 points against the New Jersey Nets in the final game of the regular season. Or one of the final games of the regular season. I don't think it was the final game. Scored 50 points off the bench. That is a feat that has only been done twice in NBA history, Jamal Crawford doing it a few years ago off the bench. So very, very exclusive club. This is an, this was an electric performance that showed us why we love Nick Anderson so much, being able to score on the inside and the outside as well as anybody. And best of all, he did it while he was sick. That's why he was coming off the bench. He gave Coach Brian Hill everything he had, and that's why it is fiercely elegant, stunningly powerful, and elegantly powerful too. Nick Anderson, our Electric Player of the Week, does not get the credit he deserves for this performance because, of course, we all know what happened at the end of that game. Shaquille O'Neal decided that the back that the uh, basket did not deserve to live, and so he destroyed it uh, pretty thoroughly. The 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence all in one EV. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. Obviously, a lot of things are about to shift for the Orlando Magic. Um, you know, we could talk about Jamal Mosley being successful and keeping an eye on the bigger picture and being willing to sacrifice uh, some short-term gains for the long-term big picture. And, and, and that's all well and good. This was the kind of season where we could do that. And, and Jamal Mosley is known throughout the league as a development coach, known as someone who uh, relates really well to players. And, and that all worked really, really well this year. Worked exceptionally well this year. Um, a, a big credit to Jamal Mosley um, and, and the job that he did. But the job that he's about to take over, the next phase of this thing, is the, dif- is the difficult part now. Because now, 
the Magic have the expectation to win. And this is an area where a lot of rebuilding coaches struggle. It's easy, and I don't think it's easy to do the job that Jamal Mosley has done the last two years and and to have everyone really bought in and really tied together and really believing in this team's future. Again, we uh, Paolo Bancaro goes a long way with this. I'm not I'm not sitting here saying that talent doesn't matter, but Tobias Harris and Gordon are still playing for playoff teams and, and major contributors for playoff teams. Magic had talent on those early teams after Dwight Howard left. The difference, though, is that those teams never felt like this. It never felt like the future was so certain and so uh, so obviously going to, to come through. And again, Paolo Bancaro is a step above all those guys. Talent-wise, you, you could argue Franz Wagner is too. The collection of talent the Magic have grabbed is different. But again, those teams were talented too. Now it's about adding the right pieces and taking that next step because the next step is a big one, and it's not going to be easy to accomplish. It's going to be a different challenge for Jamal Mosley because while this is still a developing team, and I don't think the Magic should be solely selling out or freaking out over every loss next season, the fact of the matter is there is real pressure to win. You start 5-20 and 20 next year, even with injuries, there's going to be problems. That's not who this team is going to be anymore. And so we're, we're starting to get to a point now where that, that, that balance, there's a little bit of a balance going on, where that balance between winning and long-term development starts to tip a little bit. And, and typically you can make them balance and you can go long-term development here, weigh that down, give up some wins here, but you don't want it to go so far out of whack. And, and that's a really tough challenge, especially for a young team that's still going to make a lot of mistakes. And you still got to have the patience with them and, and, and the teaching ability with them to help them learn and help them grow through those mistakes. You can't just give that part of the puzzle away or give that part of the puzzle up. There's still a lot to learn and a lot to grow and a lot to gain from, from these moments with this team. That is, that is where this team is at, though. Um, and, and that is where Jamal Mosley is going to have to improve. He's going to have to know when to shorten his rotation or when to lean on on his star players a little bit more. He's Again, the Magic certainly did not play the end of their season like their playoff lives. Uh, I'm, 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 let, me, let me rephrase that. They did not run their rotations as if their playoff lives were at risk. They still managed Paolo Bancaro's minutes. They still managed Franz Wagner's minutes. No one was playing 36, 37, 38 minutes a game like you would in the playoffs. At some point, those minutes have to ramp up. And again, you don't do that in November, obviously. But in April, if you're in the middle of a playoff hunt like the Magic were, you act a little bit differently. And there were a lot of times late in the season where it's just like, oh, you know, we all talk about the playoffs. We all want this team to be a playoff team. But this is a clear sign that that they're not really in that hunt. They're not all in on that hunt, if, if, if that part makes sense. There are rotation decisions, you know, balancing your rotations better. And, and it took Mosley a little while to find his rotations. It's understanding when something is not working and abandoning it rather than letting it play out and seeing if they can figure it out, which the Magic certainly did a lot of last year as well. Whether this is a, a an organizational philosophy thing, whether this is something that was just a product of the kind of season the Magic had. Now you add in the playoff expectations, you add in the expectations to level up one more time, how does that change things? How does that put the Magic in a different spot, in a different position? Um, and tell us how to make that work and how to, how, to, how to 
push this thing forward. That I think is that I think is one of the bigger questions left. And one of the big things that this Magic team is going to have to fight through next season. Next season is going to be fascinating because I'm betting that the Magic are going to spend their entire summer as the it team. Everyone believed the Sacramento Kings last year were going to make the playoffs. We're going to be the team that kind of surprised everyone to make the playoffs. Or Cleveland was that team. Uh, if not two years ago, then certainly last year, everyone, especially after the Donovan Mitchell trade, everyone was like, Cleveland's coming. Cleveland's coming. Orlando's going to be that team this year. Orlando's going to be the team everybody is talking about as their dark horse, if not their favorite, to be a newcomer to the postseason picture. That's new pressure. That's something new for this team. And for Jamal Mosley, that's a new expectation as a coach. The, those losses aren't just learning experience anymore. They're costly. You can't be losing to Detroit. You can't, you know, like they did three twice this year. You can't drop that April game against San Antonio. You can't be losing leads repeatedly uh, in big moments. Um, that's how your seat gets warm. Because, you know, one loss here or there doesn't kill you. Everyone has bad nights. But you string together enough of those losses, you see patterns, and the team underperforms when there's expectations on them, that changes things. Like I've said, uh, there have been people who've been critical of Jamal Mosley because I think they want to jump the gun and get to this step, wanted to get to this step last year. Jamal Mosley did a really good job last year. I, I, I don't want anyone to think that I don't think that he is not capable of getting to this level and, and, and up to the task at hand here. I think that Jamal Mosley is certainly up to that task. But it's going to be different next year. And some of the mistakes, the rotation mistakes or the rotation miscues, uh, certainly some of the late game decisions and where he put the ball late in games, as important as it was for Paolo Bencaro to get that late game experience and as important as it was to see what Paolo Bencaro can do in those situations, you got to go with what works more often than not. And that means Franz Wagner. That means Markel Fultz. That means a whole different kind of calculus for what the Magic need to do to win games. And that's going to be the big change for next season. We're going to go talk about the NBA playoffs from over the weekend, some some key takeaways from the postseason, plus our daily lottery spend. I've got an interesting thing to talk about and, and at least begin to ponder as we get ready for the NBA draft lottery. We're going to get to that coming up here in just a moment. But first, it's time for a quick word from our friends at the Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. Let me pull it up right there. There it is. The Ultimate Pro, Pro Basketball GM is one of the coolest games that I've played in a long time. I've always thought I'd be a great GM, uh, but it turns out it's it's really not that easy. If you've had the same thought and fantasized about managing your own basketball franchise, well, go and download Ultimate Pro Basketball GM right now. The game allows you to manage every strategic aspect of a franchise, playing through seasons, and leading your franchise and fans to glory as you build a historic dynasty. In the simulation, you're responsible for everything from dealing with challenging personalities, hiring the right staff, trading and training your players, making draft picks, and navigating your franchise through all the ups and downs of multiple seasons. All of this in a challenging and realistic game world, Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free 
and playable offline. Play on the go as you want and when you want to. Locked On Magic listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure to check it out. To download the game, just visit probasketballgm.com. Scan the code, which is right there. Right there. Uh, look at it or look it up on the app stores. That's probasketballgm.com. The ultimate basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. So, I want to talk a little bit about the playoffs. I mean, I, I, we're using our last segment here during the postseason to talk about lessons that we can learn from the playoffs because I, I do agree with Jeff Weltman, uh, and we'll do playoff lessons uh, as the postseason continues. I do agree with Jeff Weltman that success leaves clues, and, and you learn a lot about roster construction and, and, and what you're going to need to be successful in the playoffs by watching these games. Um, we're seeing that while offenses went bonkers in the regular season, for the most part, defenses are winning the day in the playoffs. But the big thing to talk about, I think, in the playoffs is that despite how skill-based this game is becoming, despite how less physicality is emphasized, the more physical team is winning a lot of these games more often than not. And look no further than how New York is just completely undressing Cleveland. I had the Cavs in six in this series. I thought their top-end talent was going to win. I thought that New York had a lot of question marks. I, I, I love their depth, but I, I, just, I don't think depth matters as much in the playoffs. But what I think we're really seeing, and I think you could even say this to some extent in the Denver-Minnesota series as well, and certainly I think you could say this in the Lakers-Grizzly series, the more physical team is winning. A team that is willing to get dirty, that is going to hit first with you know referees not calling fouls as often. With that, that happens in the playoffs. It gets more physical. The teams that are playing physically are winning, and, and Cleveland is just getting completely outworked. Uh, even Philadelphia, Brooklyn, Philadelphia won Game Four, finished that sweep without Joel Embiid because Paul Reed was a monster on the glass, and everybody stepped in to fill to fill that void. Um. The more physical team wins, just plain and simple. The more physical team wins, and so you got to be able to match that physicality. You got to be able to set the tone physically to have a chance in these games. And Cleveland's not doing that, despite the size that they have. And Jared Allen and Evan Mobley are great bigs. They're great defensive bigs. That se- that series has been a huge defensive series. But the Knicks are beating them to every loose ball. Mitchell Robinson is having a field day on the interior. You know, Julius Randle, not the most physical dude in the world is stepping up his physicality. Jalen Brunson is a tough dude. He's a tough guy. He ain't afraid to hit first. He is hitting first on every drive and not afraid to seek seek out contact, create contact, uh, and and just throw Cleveland off balance. And Cleveland hasn't been able to catch up. They haven't been able to figure out how to rally and and kind of match it despite the size they have. This is actually, and I think we'll dive into this a little bit more when we get to to Cleveland's playoff lessons, um, because this is probably what it's going to be. It is a concern I have about the Magic. The Magic are not a naturally physical team. They need a physical presence. They need guys that are willing to hit first. And look, it's hard to ask Paolo Bank. Paolo Bank are certainly willing to hit first on offense. But that's not his thing on defense. You know, Wendell Carter, I think, is a physical big dude. 
but he can get knocked off. He is not consistent as a physical presence. And I think that is that is something that I'm a little concerned about with this Magic team, to be perfectly honest, as we start thinking about the postseason and getting ready for the postseason. Um, I saw someone on Twitter make a really good point about Cleveland. Uh, uh, I think it was a, I think he's a Cavs blogger. Um, uh, so I apologize. I can't give proper credit here. Um, the playoffs are really good at taking away the thing that you do well. And so you got to have other things you do well. And, and, and they're pausing that Cleveland does one thing really, really well, and that's you know Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland driving off, driving to the driving into the paint. And now that New York has taken away some of those pet plays, Cleveland's struggling to find that thing that they do well. So it's 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 being physical and being multifaceted, and and that's a huge thing. And again, two areas where I think the Magic will continue uh, to look to improve, and, and we'll have to learn some hard lessons. Let's dive into our daily lottery spin then to close today's show. Um, in our spin, uh, we again, Orlando does climb up. I have Houston at one, Charlotte at two, Orlando at three, Portland at four. Uh, Orlando will also pick 11th, but I want to talk about that third pick um, because I think that is going to be one of the more interesting spots for the Magic to land. Um, I Brandon Miller is a great player, don't get me wrong, and I think the Magic take best player available regardless of anything else. Um, but if the mag, but if I'm in two or three, if I'm Orlando, I'm taking Scoot Henderson, or I'm looking to trade that pick. To be perfectly honest, or I'm not look, I, I'm looking for more serious help at guard spot. Um, again, I think the Magic could use another big wing, but I don't need a high end, higher usage wing like Brandon Miller. Um, you've got Paolo Bancaro, you've got Franz Wagner. I don't think Miller is an upgrade over either of those guys. Uh, and so your forward spots are set. I- I'm not drafted kind of a high-end guy. Um, you know, again, obviously, it, see what trades are out there. If there's no good trade out there that, that gets you what you want, uh, then don't worry about it. But I, I don't think... I, I, it's not that I have Brandon Miller off my board, and, and you know, there's the thing, other things around him, but um, I, I don't think he is the best fit for this team. And I do think that the Magic do have to think a little bit about fit in this draft. Scoot Henderson, on the other hand, even though he did not have the greatest year at the G League Ignite, was not the greatest shooter. That's a guy that this team this team could really fit in. They need they need some help with two guard. He is a dynamic shot maker. He can create shots off the dribble. He can attack off the dribble. He can pass a little bit. Um, I think he'd be a really good fit on this team. And, and if I'm drafting two with Wembenyama off the board, obviously, I, I'm taking Scoot Henderson and not really thinking about it. I've had Scoot Henderson too on my board. Um, that has not wavered. Um, even even though I think Brandon Miller's a very good player, solid defender better than average three-point shooter for his size. I don't think he fits this team and what they need and what they're trying to build. Uh, and so I think that I think that the Magic do move in a different direction and do consider uh, doing something a little bit different. Um, that's that's where I stand on that. I, you know, feel free to dis- to disagree. I'm sure some of the draft people would be like, uh, no, you're crazy. They all thought I was crazy. You know, they all thought I was crazy when I was like not super enthused about Scotty Barnes um, because I was like, the Magic kind of are set at that position with what they have, uh, I, I, I need some shooting. I'm not really thinking about, you know, you know, I think he'll be very good, but I don't think he'd be a great fit where the Magic are at developmentally. That's kind of how I feel with Brandon Miller. I think Scoot Henderson fits a little bit better developmentally, fits the roster a little bit better. We're looking to win now. And so I do think you got to think a little bit about winning now in the, in the players that you pick and, and where you go from here. So that's what I do with the Magic. We're at three. Um, again, trades are about who's available and what opportunities are there. I do think the Magic need to get a little bit older, get a veteran. If they can, if they can get to the top three, 
and find a, a veteran that's going to help kind of take them from the next, take them from here to the next level. Um, I, I think you do that. Um, you know, I don't think the Magic need two pl- two rookies in this draft class. Um, again, I, I I'll be on record. I don't think it'd be the worst thing in the world if the Bulls kept their pick. I don't want them to get Victor or anything like that, but um, I, I don't think it would be the worst thing in the world if the Bulls kept their pick and we we play again next year's draft when you know maybe there's a little bit more room or uh, a little bit more advantageous for the Magic to to try and make that kind of a trade. That's gonna do it for me though today. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked On Magic. Of course, find me on Twitter at Philip R underscore OMD. Subscribe to the podcast on. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himley, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, and all the films available podcasts to your podcast-enabled listening device. Relay something to Orlando Magic. Be sure to check out orlandomagicdaily.com. You can, of course, follow us there on Twitter, at omagicdaily. I want to thank everyone who listens to the show every single day, our everyday crew. Uh, I really appreciate you guys. Um, obviously, we go Monday through Fridays. We're still going Monday through Fridays, probably all the way into mid-July. Um, as as the season picks up, so we'll, we'll keep trying. We'll keep doing some season recaps up before we start diving a little bit deeper into the draft. Um, I do appreciate you all. We're going to start our player evaluation series on tomorrow's episode. I haven't quite picked which player we're going to talk about. We talked about a couple players already, um, but we're going to start doing our our individual player evaluations. We kind of did that today with Jamal Mosley. Um, although I'll probably repeat some of the stuff and talk about Mosley uh, as in an evaluation format rather than a what went right format. Um, later on uh, in the next couple of weeks. But we're going to start diving into individual players. Of course, we're waiting on Tuesday for Paolo Bancaro to be named Rookie of the Year. That's when he'll. That's when that award is being announced. So we'll have plenty of coverage on that and talk more about Paolo Bancaro's Rookie Year, which we all love talking about anyway. I want to thank you all again for listening to today's episode of Locked on Magic. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Phil Brosman-Reich. We'll see you all again next time for another episode of Locked on Magic.